All right, everybody, welcome to this week's Loading the Tropes. I'm Aaron. I'm Clayton. And I'm your romance novel veteran. And I'm the Virgin. And we're your hosts. Hi, Clayton. Hi, Aaron. <laughs> How's it going? Is this perky enough for you? I yelled at Clayton <laughs> right before we started recording and I said, you got to perk up because it's 930 in the morning. I've been up for three and a half hours now, <laughs> but it's it still, did you just roll out of bed? No, I, I, I mean, I didn't, I, I just rolled out of bed, but I was awake. You were awake in bed. Were you reading? Uh, yeah. <laughs> do you want, do we have any new patrons before we get started? We do. We have two new patrons. We have Lois. Thank you, Lois. And Magda. Thank you, Magda. We do have some new patrons. So thank you so much for your support. We totally appreciate it. Nice. Um, and so this week's book was came to us as a recommendation, uh, which we didn't go over in the mini so last week because you were just you just flapped it. I flapped it solo. Yeah. Um, and so this was a recommendation from Carol V. I won't say her last name just in case, you know. And she said, I have a book recommendation. Loved the Dead Romantics. It's so good, uh, but it has major twists and not knowing them was essential. It's about a ghostwriter who sees ghosts and falls in love with one. It's like if Six Feet Under had a romance spinoff. The ghostwriter grew up in her family's funeral home in South Carolina. She had the gift of sewing, of seeing and hearing ghosts and left town after solving a murder because everyone thought she was a weirdo. Now she's writing... Four novels for a beloved elderly romance writer who's like a slightly less famous Nora Roberts, but she's struggling to finish the fourth because she had her heart broken by her longtime boyfriend. And I said, ooh, this is interesting. And she said her ex is her ex because he took her life story and turned into a lit fit nightmare without her permission. Her family is actually delightful and she has a good childhood, so she's pissed. And she said, do it. I loved it. So Carol, you asked, and then we did it. So, I mean, I don't think now I, I don't have to do what this book is about now. Yeah, I mean, I think Carol kind of did it for us there. Carol did do it for us. Um, so before we jump into what was this about, let's judge the cover. Okay. For a cartoon cover, mm -hmm. I like this. But I have to say, I, and this is not, I, I, I'm not saying this facetiously. I'm not trying to be hyperbolic about this. The color schemes on romance cartoon covers are starting to make me physically ill. <laughs> and, and it's true. Like, I'll see a few in a row and I'll feel like I just got off a roller coaster. Like, I'll have to look away. Some of the combinations of colors on these books are putrid. Mm hmm. And I don't understand what's going on. They're getting they're they're getting uglier and uglier. Well, the thing is, too, because I had seen this book. I had seen this cover, I think, in like Neck Alley or maybe in bookstores. And I did not think that it was a romance, even though it's called the romantics. For some reason, it's like nothing about this cover like reads romance to me. And it's so kind of not. It's kind of not. Huh? It's kind of not. Oh, yeah. 
So that was the other thing too. Like if Carol hadn't e like DM'd me on Instagram, I don't know that I would have ever picked this book up, which I think mm -hmm. it's like the one job of the cover is to entice people to read the book. And I think if the cover isn't, isn't sort of portraying what you're going to get inside, it's tough because then me, somebody who really loved this book, I really liked it a lot you know, I would have just kind of missed it had, you know, somebody not told me about it. It is, I don't know, I do feel like we talk about cartoon covers so much, but I went to Books Are Magic, which is like a small, or not, I mean, it's an indie bookstore in Carroll Gardens. It's, is it small? I mean, yeah, I would say it's a small bookstore. I mean, it's yeah. it's not, I mean, yeah, it's definitely small. I mean, it's a beautiful bookstore. It's a great bookstore, but it's small. yeah. And uh, they have a romance section, which one is obviously like a huge thing. And there was also like romance scattered throughout the rest of the like on the tables of like new releases and stuff. So like, you know, they're definitely supporting romance. But in the romance section, it was all just cartoon covers. And I don't know why it like kind of just bummed me out because <laughs> it was all cartoon covers. And then I think like one Julia Quinn. Yeah, and I mean, the thing like, is. Yeah. The thing is with these covers is that <clears throat> pardon me. The things with these covers is that th this is a way, we've talked about this a million times. This is a way for respectable people to to read romance. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like it's because if there's if there's a clinch cover, if there's abs on the cover, if there's a woman with her with uh you know a, a ripped bodice, people still don't take it serious. Yeah. You know, and I and I and again, we'll get into this. I don't think this is a romance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is a this is women's fiction. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with women's fiction. But I this podcast isn't about women's fiction. This is a romance podcast and I wanted to read a romance. <laughs> you do get very grumpy when you don't get to read a romance. Um, I do. I do get grumpy. You're right. I'm grumpy when I don't get my my romance fix for the for the week. Well, so we're not. So Carol already graciously did. Uh, what was this book about? I mean, that is pretty much it. She's a ghostwriter. She goes to see her editor before she uh, her editor and says she can't write a book because her boyfriend has just dumped her. She doesn't want to write romance anymore. And then she gets a call that her father has died. After, right after she like randomly starts kissing our editor when she runs into him behind a in an alley or something. And then quote unquote hipster bar. <laughs> and then she uh she has to go home to South Carolina to bury her father and and the editor shows up as a ghost. Yes, uh, but but he's in a coma. <laughs> Here's the thing, Clayton. There needs what? to be a, there needs to be a happily ever after, and there isn't a happily ever after of a human alive woman and a ghost who can never touch her. So here's the thing. Here's the thing. Mm -hmm. Maybe there could be. Try it instead of doing the most like cop out move, which is that he was just in a coma. I like, to me love that it. felt such a cop out. I hated it. I hated it. Mm -hmm. I really hated it. I was so mad when, when I didn't say he was dead. 
and then it was like, oh, are you kidding me? I said it out loud. I said, are you fucking kidding me? I, I'm shot yeah. out of a cannon. I'm shot out of a cannon this morning. <laughs> Listen, here's the problem. It's not a problem, but it's a rarity. I did not like this book, uh-huh. as I think people can tell, as uh-huh. I'm childishly uh, showing. Right. I did not enjoy this book. You, however... Loved it. Really liked this book. You loved it. You would yeah. go as far as saying that you loved it. Totally. Yeah, I now, really loved it. Obviously, this is a safe, non-judgmental space. <laughs> it always is. Don't laugh. Yeah. Don't laugh. It is. It is. <laughs> uh-huh. Because we usually align, and even when you like something more than I do or I like something more than you do, I think we can see it and understand it. Mm-hmm. Why? What? What did you like so much about this particular book? So I will agree that I think the you know if if the two tenants of romance is a central love story and a happily ever after, there was a happily ever after, and I agree that the the idea of this being a central love story is debatable. You know, it is a lot about her coming home and coming to terms with things. I think that that's also the difficulty in so many of these modern or these contemporary romances as when they're single point of view, it's hard to make the romance the focus because no person is just talking about the person they like constantly unless they're a contestant on The Bachelor. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. it's like, I'm never super excited when I find out it's a single first person book. Um, although there have been single, like first person, uh, books that I love. So it happened, you know what I mean? Like with, with everything with romance, there's always exceptions, but, um, I, I don't know. I just really loved it. And I knew early on that he was probably in a coma. I figured that out and it didn't, it's the, it wasn't, um, I liked it because then I also was kind of like, that's probably going to be how this is solved because I don't think that there is a happily ever after with one of the characters dead. I think that is like a probably a rule of the happily ever after is like both characters have to end the book alive and together. So I didn't hate that so much. And there was other twists in the book that I fully didn't see coming that I also thought were interesting. And I, and I thought it treated Like, I think sometimes what happens with books about people from small towns who go to the big city and then come home, it's always kind of like, the big city defeated me, and so now I'm back home, and now I realize, like, oh, small towns are better. Mm. And she didn't have that experience, where she came back and she was like, God, these people are kind of, like, weird and a little small-minded, and I do love them because these are the people I came from, but, like, I don't want to live here full-time. And mm-hmm. so, like, I appreciated that. I thought that the writing was really good. I do, yeah, the the romance was was pretty thin. Um, and I think it could have been helped had we ever been in Ben's point of view. I get that that's tough because we don't want to sort of reveal that he is in a coma. But I think also, like, you him as a character like he did he would disappear sometimes and he didn't know where he went so i don't know i think had we had ben's point of view it would have been it would have felt more like a romance we could have kind of like got a better sense of of his feelings as well because it did seem like he was just 
you know, he had read her book and then immediately fell in love with her in a way that was like a little odd. And it also it never explained why Ben went to South Carolina, like his ghost, he astral projected to, to North Carolina, South Carolina. Her book was so good uh-huh. that it was the one anchor that he had in the world. And that's why he, I mean, that's the thing is like everything was about her. This, this had floor. Everything was about Florence. Everything right. was about how she was wronged. Everything was about how she's a, the greatest writer in the world. Yet she's a ghost writer and everybody loves the books that she wrote for, for, for the woman she, for Ann Nichols and how her boyfriend stole her, her life and made this book that wasn't good. And it's just like, Yes, you want your main character to be good at what they do. Or at the very least, like, trying to do something and getting better at it. Mm-hmm. But the hyperbole for her writing skills, I thought, was a little bit gross. Because everybody just slathered compliments on how good of a writer she was. And it's like, yes, that's a dream, and I can see if this is a book where it's like we want I want my fantasies to be fulfilled. Still, it just felt very egocentric to me. You know, like it didn't make me like Florence. I disagree because I think the whole thing, too, was that her first book didn't do well. It like didn't sell. And I think. But it was still great. It was still great. Yeah. But I think that's an experience that like we've all had of. You know, there's a book and you end up just reading it kind of like randomly for for whatever reason you find it. And it's not like a bestseller. And you really, really connect with it, even though it's not like a Pulitzer Prize winning novel or whatever. And I think that's like a very real experience. And I think that's such like an intimate experience as well that I understand why, you know, Ben reading that book would be such an imprint on him. And I think, and I liked that exploration because ultimately this is also a book about authors and about creativity and about stories and who owns stories in a way that I thought was really interesting and really well done. And you can also tell that she is somebody who does, like she name drops a lot of romance authors and she definitely does like read and enjoy the genre in a way that when I heard that the main character was a ghostwriter for a romance author, I was kind of like, oh, no, uh, how's this going to go? But it's always treated like with respect and um, and kind of makes sense. Is Nicholas Sparks romance? No. No, right? It's uh, love stories, but not romances, correct? I mean, I think some are probably romances, but he does a lot of like people dying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because because Nicholas Sparks got name dropped in this book and I thought, should we read a Nicholas Sparks? I don't want to. Okay, then we won't. Yeah. Now I mean I have in the past. They're not it's not they're not great, so my issue here as a dude is that Benjamin was so thinly drawn. I mean, talk about a ghost of a person. Mm-hmm. He was so thinly drawn, like you said, we never got his point of view. I do think there was a, a chance for him to 
get to for us to get into his head where say he's you know start a chapter where he's sitting at that booth in that diner and no one's paying attention to him and he can't figure it out and it's like I don't think you had I don't think you would give away that he's in a coma just by having his point of view. Yeah. Because then he wouldn't go back into his body. He would just go away and then come back and be like, where was I? What was going on? This is confusing to me. And his plight would have made me more interested in this than her just like going back and like reacquainting with all these people from her town, which is like an okay element to have, but it was the predominant element of this book. This was a... This was not a romance. It was about Florence and her bullshit. That's all it was about. And then she had this dream guy who was an editor who loved her first book that nobody else read and ends up being alive at the end and he looks like Mr. Big. And it's like, that's what this book was. And it it annoyed me. I was mm-hmm. not into it. I didn't care about her life. I would not have read Lee's book, let's just say. <laughs> Lee, her ex, who steals her life and writes this book that becomes a huge uh, – it's not a bestseller yet, but it's it's being promoted all over the place, anywhere she goes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I will give you that I think had we had Ben's point of view, it could have been a more of a romance or added that little bit. Because, yeah, I think when it is just one person, one point of view – it's tough to not have it be all around like that person. Mm-hmm. Now, was there an element of you enjoying this book? Mm-hmm. Because you also see ghosts. I I don't see them the way that she sees them. I don't talk to them. But I think that like, like maybe, I don't know, a little, you know. Okay. I also did not enjoy the humor in this book. <laughs> Puns are fun. I get why people like puns. But puns are the lowest form of humor. I think we can all agree on this. No, I would say sarcasm is the lowest form of humor. I hate really? sarcasm. God. <laughs> You're insufferable. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you hate sarcasm, huh? No. Sarcasm is low, yes, because that's attitudinal. It's not actual funny. It's just... Mm-hmm. Oh, he's so sarcastic. He's so funny. No, he's just an asshole, usually, is the way it is. Puns are also very low on that list of, like, humor. For me. I get for you. I think, like, if if a pun is clever, you know who loves a pun? Who? Belief, my father. Of course. I mean, listen. I said puns are fun. But if (laughs) if all of your... If if all of your humor's puns, like when Benjamin and Florence are saying puns to each other, to like grown adults, I wanted to jump out of my skin. You're just a hater. I think that that I'm like, just that's a hater. Cute. No, no, I think that's cute, and I think it's also no, it's, it's not cute. <laughs> if you saw two people say that, do that in real life, you'd fucking want to puke. No, I would think it was cute flirting, and I would say these two seem good for each other. I think that I agree. Yeah, stay away from me, though. Like, yeah, you're good for each other, but stay so far away from me. <laughs> I Well, and I also think it's like there's different – because, like, we've in the past had difficulty with some humor in books. 
Yes. That are overly like punny or adorable and that kind of thing. I agree with you on that. But I think in this book, when that's them flirting, it's like sometimes when also you're flirting with somebody or you're talking to somebody you like, you just want to keep talking to them. So you'll come up with anything. So if you can play a like a little word game with them, that's enough. And that's fun, you know? And so it's like, if a girl you liked said a pun to you, you would say, get the hell away from me. Or would you say a pun back to her? Honestly, be honest. God, if a girl said a pun to me. If your like dream girl said a pun to you, you would say. She wouldn't. Get the That's fuck the out thing. of here. She wouldn't. No, she might. She might. She might. No, I, that's not my dream girl then. Wow. Okay. So if your dream girl says a pun to you, all of a sudden demotion. It would have to be. It would have to be done in such a tongue in cheek manner. In such a, like, how stupid is it what I just said manner. That's the only way puns work, is if you know how stupid they are. And you're doing it to be dumb. Like, that yeah. is the only way puns work. I think they were For saying... For me. Yeah, personally. they were saying it in this is stupid, but it's silly and fun because it's so dumb. I don't think they were like, look at this wordsmithing we're doing, you know? I don't know. I mean, the thing is, I just didn't the for as much as we hang out with Florence and deal with Florence, I still don't know who Florence is. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know situationally who she is, but I don't know who she is deep down. Like, she did not seem like a fully fleshed out character. Her roommate, Rose, was like first draft best friend if there ever was one mm-hmm. like, Hey, I work in me, uh, you know, I, I, I work in, in marketing and wine all the time. <laughs> like have her have a personality. She's your best friend. She's your bestie. She's your closest person. Like have her have a unique, one unique thing about her. Just one unique trait mm-hmm. that isn't someone just walking on the screen in a rom-com and saying funny shit, and then walking off. Yes. And then marrying your sister, which is whatever. Great for them. Go for you. <laughs> I think, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't have much to say there. I I, I agree. I also think it's strict, because, like, if my best friend and roommate's father passed away, I wouldn't wait till the day of the funeral to show up. You know what I mean? Like, I... I would show up early or I would be Well, she's busy more. with uh, an account at her made-up media job. Yeah. Um, something I did like, too, was... <laughs> You're like, something I did like, too, which is like <laughs> as if I just said something I liked. <laughs> listen, I really... Listen, genuinely, I really loved this book a lot. You so far aren't changing my mind. I don't think no. it was a, a perfect book, I, but it was a good book and I enjoyed myself the entire time I read it. And I don't want you to change your mind. It's that's mm-hmm. not what it's about either. It's like you like what you like and I like what I like and it's like this is just something that really rubbed me completely the wrong way and it seemed to go down smooth for you, which is great. I mean, listen, we want to enjoy these books when we read them. I'm glad you enjoyed this. 
I don't like when we both are struggling through a book and talk before the show and are like, what are we going to do here? (laughs) Which has happened, guys. This happened quite a bit where we are like, let's think of something so we don't just yell about this book the whole time. And Um, I guess I'm yelling about this book the mm -hmm. whole time and I feel like I'm being overly mean. And I don't want to be overly mean, but I really like... I guess it's one of those things where I go into a book really wanting to like it. And when it betrays me, I feel betrayed, mm-hmm. you know, and and I guess this book just felt like it could have been really good and it wasn't. And that's my complaint with it. Mm-hmm. Like there was the elements were there. It's like that's such an interesting concept of I see ghosts and I fall in love with a guy who like I had a meet cute with a guy and then they die and what do I do like that I think is an interesting although isn't ghost of girlfriends past I don't know I've not seen that movie what's the what's the plot of that movie (laughs) how would I know that I don't know what is it that's that's a that's a guy in love with a ghost or a girl in love with a ghost thing no, I think that's like a that's like a Christmas Carol retelling, isn't it? Ghost of Girlfriends Past. I don't know what you're referring to. What is Ghost of Girlfriends Past? It's it's the uh, Mark Ruffalo's in it. It's like a rom com. Okay. I w- hold on a second. <laughs> you can keep talking. The thing that I liked. Was well, the, one of the things that I liked was um, I thought it was a really organic reason, like why she left her hometown. Basically, she had seen a ghost of her classmate who w- had been murdered, and she helped to solve his murder. And everyone in the town, instead of being like, Cool, we have a little girl who talks to ghosts and can solve murders, were like, Oh, she's kind of a freak, which is how people would react in that situation. And so Mm -hmm. she had to leave after that. And I thought the way that that was woven throughout the story was really good. And I think, like, structurally and plot-wise, other than obviously us wanting to have Ben's point of view, it is done really well in in that you're kind of given information when it is appropriate. So I think, like, a lesser author probably would have had, like, three chapters on her solving this murder. And we don't need to know all of that. Like, it was sort Mm -hmm. of just like, we got the sense of like, okay, this thing happened. And this is basically what happened. And this was her experience of it in a way that I really liked. Because I, like, I liked this book as well, because it was a very unique book. And I think the big, the thing that is very difficult about contemporary romances, and I think the reason why, in general, we shy away from them, unless they're written by, like, obviously, like, Kate Claiborne or Kennedy Ryan or Naima Simone, is because there's not a big reason why two adults can't be together. And I thought this was interesting because it's like, yeah, you can't be together because he's dead is a really Mm -hmm. legitimate reason why there's a there's a problem here. And I just thought that that was really well done. And I loved that she came from like a really sweet and loving family. And I loved like spending time with them. I thought that that was really lovely and how much she loved her father and how she sort of dealt with the grief of losing her father. I thought was really well done. Um, so yeah, 
What is this uh, rom-com you made up? Ghosts of Girlfriends Past is actually actually Matthew McConaughey and uh-huh. Jennifer Garner. And you're right. It's a play on Dickens. Yeah. And it's like his the, – the girls from his past show up to him as ghosts. But there okay. was one with Mark Ruffalo in it that had uh, D- Napoleon Dynamite as well. What? And I and that had a ghost in it, and I think okay. Reese Witherspoon was in it. I'm just trying to, th- I'm just trying to see if this is like, oh, is it just like Heaven? Just like yeah, John Hate, yeah, Reese Witherspoon. She might be in a coma in this. <laughs> there was also a TV series. Did you ever watch it? I think it was on like, it was a British show. It was on like Channel Four or something. Lord knows how I found it, but it was called Being Human, and it was about this these three roommates and one was a werewolf one was a ghost and one was a vampire Mm -hmm. and then the vampire and the ghost fall in love but she's a ghost so she can't touch him so they end up like it ends up being so twisted where like they end up like picking up a woman. He picks up a woman in like a bar or something, and then like the ghost inhabits her body while they're having sex. It was very weird. That's what they should have done here. That's what she should have done here. That's is not that he had to possess somebody. After. That's it, crazy. It, 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 that's not crazy because she could have any any guy she wants because he would just jump in their body and then get down to business, and that's it. I mean, that's erotica, but still, it's like that's. Cr- it, it, Easy. That's no, that would not work as an end day. But so, she, okay, so she sees people in comas too. She doesn't just see ghosts. She well, sees I guess people you're in comas. In, well, because when you're in a coma, it's like you, you're the only thing. You're not you, a ghost. You're not a ghost if you're in a coma. You're just not. Maybe. It's, it's not the same thing. She isn't seeing ghosts. She now sees people in comas, too. So when she walks down the street in New York, she doesn't always she, – she can see people in comas, too. So she's seeing ghosts and people that are in comas. Yeah. And that dilutes the idea of this book, which is that she sees dead people. She doesn't see dead people because if you're in a coma, you're not dead. I think you're being kept alive by machines. So maybe your soul is left to wander. I, I I mean, you're just maybe. getting you're getting so you're getting so like tripped up by that sort of thing. But it's like the conceit of her book is that she sees ghosts and uh, and one and her editor dies and she's how do I love a ghost? And then he's not a ghost. Yeah, of course he's not I, a ghost. But that's like that's like any of these romances when you when you first meet the two characters and you're like these people are too far apart and the, it'll never work and then somehow it ends up working so like you meet these characters and it's like it's a ghost and a, a woman who's alive how is this ever going to work and then it ends up working because he's not dead but it's like that's romance there's no happily ever after if somebody's dead i i i mean i just think it's then figure something out but then that's not this book. Then you want this book to be a different book. It already was barely a romance. So why then Then just don't have it be a romance then? It was barely a romance. Yeah. I didn't I mean, want when they were like in her room in the B&B and he was like talking her through what he would do to her. I didn't understand yeah. why that stopped because I'm like, 
Yeah, have her just kind of like masturbate and him watch. Yeah. Like that's very hot. Like it was yes. so strange that she was like, all right, got to go <laughs> to my dad's I was room. I was angry about that too. I, I yeah. mean, I, I think also, I think there's an element of like, this wants to be a movie and it, and it's it's chased in a way a, a, a rom-com movie would be. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that that's a movie scene. That's a scene where it's like, we don't want this to be rated X. So she's going to unbutton and it's going to be a little bit hot. But then, oh, nope, we got to go. It was like, you got to go full on mm-hmm. masturbation there. Mutual masturbation. A ghost can jerk off, right? I don't know. Do they have semen? I mean, uh, well, he's not dead, so he's in a coma, so he still has semen. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I yeah. This this book was immensely frustrating for me. Yeah. I didn't. I, I did. I mean, I understand what you mean about it being organic that she left because she solved a murder, and it's like, but it's also kind of like, all right, okay. <laughs> You know, like I'm not into uh, true uh, crime anyway. So like that kind of thing, uh, that element was but also But it doesn't go into, like, I wouldn't say it's like true crime because it doesn't no, really no, go no, it into doesn't. like what happened or why or anything gruesome at all. You know, no, it's which like, is good, which is good. Yeah, it's pretty sanitized, which is, yeah, which is, I don't need it to be, I didn't want to know any more than what she told us, I think was perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you think about Lee and her living in a brownstone in Brooklyn? If I was living in a brownstone in Brooklyn, and here's the thing, this is a PSA for writers. Like if you want New Yorkers to enjoy your book, you cannot mention real estate without then doing like three or four pages with in-depth questions about the real estate because you once i read about real estate in new york that's i'm just thinking about the logistics of the real estate for a while so i'm like they have a brownstone in brooklyn together and i'm like and she left i was like i don't care if pat's like shaved my head bald in the middle of the night if we're living at a brownstone i'm keeping the brownstone you know now that's now that's a book that's uh-huh. a book where it's like how like a, a a woman who is like I'm staying in this brownstone no matter what. Yes. I'm That's being a facetious book. obviously like she left yes. for like a good reason and she was very hurt. But it's I'm just like damn though a brownstone and then she ends up in Hoboken like that's a that's a fall. I think Hoboken's supposed to be pretty nice now. Obviously it's not a brownstone in Brooklyn, but like Hoboken's supposed to be pretty nice. I guess so. There's a lot of places in the world that are nice that I don't want to live in, you know. But I mean, it didn't feel New Yorky really because she's barely in New York. Mm-hmm. It felt very boilerplate New York. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's mostly about South Carolina anyway. So uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, Lee. Also, he's just another like barely drawn character. He's just a dick who like steals her life story and writes a book about it. And I think that's a plot in, do you ever see uh, music and lyrics? Mm-hmm. I know that, it's your favorite uh, movie. It's one of my favorite movies. Her ex writes a book about her. This mm-hmm. is, of course, Drew Barrymore. And she has a very, like, handsome ex-author boyfriend that she's trying to she's trying to avoid. And his book is everywhere. So that kind of reminded me a little bit of this. 
There's a lot of like nods to other book, like to other romances in a way that I like too. Cause like she and Lee meet at a party and then we find out later that Ben was also there and it's mm-hmm. for a book called Dante's Motorbike. Yeah. And then in the movie, Bridget Jones's Diary, she and Darcy reconnect at a book launch for Kafka's Motorbike. And I wonder if mm-hmm. that was intentional. And I it had to have been. That was absolutely intentional. I loved that. I thought that was very cute. And like a great little nod. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, she does like rom-coms, that's for sure. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I think so, also it's like with these cartoon covers, like this also, as much as this didn't, like, it wasn't heavy on the romance. So maybe a cartoon cover was appropriate in this situation. And also it's like, it's not that I don't need a, like, I need a clinch cover. I need just like abs. Like, I think there are ways to have it project as a romance and have it be like the, more than just that, even though like, obviously I do love that. Mm-hmm. But I think maybe in this situation, it could work. Maybe it did work. I didn't, I wasn't as upset by the color scheme as you were either. It didn't make you physically ill? No, it didn't make me ill. Orange is my favorite color. It's it's uh, and I and to to clarify this cover did not make me physically ill. Oh, okay. I thought you meant this but cover. Similar covers, like mm-hmm. this is this color scheme is very close to making me feel ill, but okay. just barely misses it. There's some <laughs> color combos on some of these romance covers, these new cartoon covers that that are like disgusting to me. Oh, I want to look away. I, I like can't look at them because they do make me sick. This is not one of those things, one of those covers. Okay, good but to hear. let's let's get into it. Big question: Would you fuck them? No. I yep, don't think so. Right? No and no. Yeah. There so was that says something. A lot of like corporal energy, which I guess one of them is a ghost, but there wasn't this sort mm-hmm. of like sexual desire between the two of them or you didn't feel it super strongly and so i think that's like when we're like oh we would definitely fuck these ones i think it's because we've there's that like sort of pent up they feel like real people like really like embody themselves in a way that i don't think that these characters ultimately did and ben's a sad sack i know that's why we needed his point of view because he was so there was something so miserable about him. Yeah. And if we're not in his point of view of like, I like this, or like, I like this aspect of my life or like, I am happy or something. It's just like everyone in his life is dead. And then his fiance cheats on him. Yeah. And he's just like a lonely dude. Mm-hmm. It's weird. Although like, so he was in his late thirties. Yeah. And she was in her late twenties. So I will have to make a concession mm-hmm. for her in the fact that I was, and most people are, extremely annoying in their late 20s. Because mm-hmm. I think back to my late 20s, and I was obnoxious. You know, I recall. People might think, my, people might think I'm obnoxious now. Mm-hmm. You should have known me in my late 20s. <laughs> Right. Like that is a time when you're still like 
why isn't the world at my feet, blah, 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 all this stuff. And you're got all this energy and all this angst and stuff. And it's very annoying to be around if you're not of that same age and in your own turmoil. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of Florence is whining and complaining and lamenting and all these things to me felt juvenile. But I understand that they fe it feels real to her, mm -hmm. you know. So yeah. I think that might also have been an element of it where I was like, this is an accurate representation of somebody in their late 20s. And it, of course, is obnoxious. Right. Uh, late 20s currently, like in the current era, right? Because like you could have characters like, I mean, we're historical people. So it's like a 28-year-old woman in a historical has a way different life than a 28-year-old in a contemporary. Right. And I just think I relate to a, 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 a woman that's a 28-year-old in a, in a historical more than somebody that is in their late 20s in a contemporary. Mm -hmm. That's just the facts. Yeah. <laughs> There's no Goodreads list as of yet. Because this book also just came out. It came out June this, like, last month. June. June 2022. Wow. All right. It actually some, came out on my mother's birthday, June 28th. Wow. Yeah, that's so recent. Wow. Yeah. This is really recent. We're really getting on the on the on the cutting edge of this book. Okay. So, do, what are your tropes, Clayton? Writer heroine, editor hero, returning to a small town, funeral, boyfriend is in a coma. Not say he's a ghost. Heroin can see ghosts. That is my tropes. What are your tropes? I have in love with the ghost, writer-editor pairing, starchy hero, writer-heroine, small town romance, family coming together, hooking up with no touching, which is sexy. As we all know from Sarah McLean's, um, why am I blinking? Cross. In her casino series, is that one good Earl deserves a lover? I believe so. Guys, you know the one I'm talking about. Um, and that famous scene in 40 Days and 40 Nights with Josh Hartnett. No. With uh, Shannon Sossaman. I don't remember. I don't recall that, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I missed that one, I think. You um, did, yeah. All right. Clayton, what has you swooning this week? God, I'm I'm racking my brain for anything that has me swooning at this point. Wow. Uh, I can't. I can't. I'm trying to think of. Not a TV show, not a movie, not a podcast, not a song. Oh, my goodness. Uh, what can I, what am I, what am I, like, I always try to think of, like, what am I spending a lot of my time on? And mm -hmm. I've just been really busy, so I haven't had a lot of time to, like, think of things that I like. Mm-hmm. Can you come back to me? Because I know you have one. So I'm swooning about Nathan Fielder, who is just a, a weirdo, who has a new show on HBO called The Rehearsal. And I was like, Pat wanted to watch it. I was like, okay. Nathan, his last show was Nathan for You. And it 
it is a show that has to be seen to be believed. The concept is bizarre. So basically, he helps people who, in this first episode anyway, it's this man and he has something that he wants to confess to a friend of his for a long time. He's been lying to her about something that is honestly like fairly minor, but it's been eating at him for a while. So he wants to confess to her, but he's worried. Obviously, he wants to maintain his friendship with her and she means a lot to him. And so Nathan basically helps him by rehearsing him confessing this to his friend for in a in a way that is so insanely elaborate but mm-hmm. i think what the show does is it's a very humanizing show and very sweet and very like kind and i cannot stand when people are made fun of or like or talk down to or anything, but he is very caring towards the people that he helps in a way that, like, is so important. And when it got to the point where he was going to confess, like, you know, after all this preparation, he was going to confess this thing to his friend, I was so nervous. I was, like, more stressed out at that scene than I was probably at, like, the beginning of Save It and Private Ryan. I was just like, I can't. <laughs> The stress of this is going to overtake me. But it, it's a really beautiful show. It's really interesting. It's really well done. Um, so if you if that sounds at all interesting, or even if it doesn't, because it's hard to explain, uh, watch the rehearsal by uh, on uh, HBO. Now, did you watch Nathan for You? I watched a few episodes. I, I wasn't a completist, and I'm sure there's episodes I haven't seen. Yeah, I love that show. Mm-hmm. And I haven't watched this yet because I don't have the HBO Max subscription at the moment, but I'm going to resubscribe very soon. I was very excited for this to come out, and I'm glad that it is as good as I hoped it was going to be because I yeah. do think he's brilliant. He's such a unique voice and such a unique, just he has such a unique sense of humor, but also a unique way of interacting with people. And his mind is just insane. So. I'm very excited to watch this. Yeah, exactly. It's, yeah, it's phenomenal. I I thought of a swoon. Okay, hit me. So I read Jennifer Gray's memoir, Out of the Corner, Mm -hmm. and I loved it. Oh, good. I think it's very good. It's really well written. It's super interesting. And I will confess something here. I had never seen Dirty Dancing. Wow. And I love Patrick Swayze, and I don't know why I've never seen it. I think it's because when I was a kid, it was such a girl movie mm-hmm. that it was like I still never watched it. But mm-hmm. then after reading her book, I decided to watch Dirty Dancing, mm-hmm. and I loved it. It is <laughs> it it, and I was reading reviews, contemporary reviews, and. And and I always read the Ebert reviews when it's a it's a movie that he has uh, you know he was alive to see, and he poo pooed this movie and I feel like he did not get it yeah because watching that movie now after doing this show that movie does such a good job of being in baby's perspective it's truly a movie that is like from her point of view. Mm-hmm. Which feels so rare 
in a lot of 80s movies. And I just thought it was so great. Like, she was amazing in it. And I always had a big crush on her from from Red Dawn and from, uh, what is the one with... Um, Ferris oh, Bueller's? Ferris Bueller, yeah, as the sister. Like, I thought she was great. And I'd seen, like, you know, I'd seen, like, scenes. For, I mean, of course, I've seen, like, the, the, the jump and the hold from Dirty Dancing, like, a million times. But watching this movie now, I totally get why women especially were obsessed with it and watched it over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And it, so I guess my yeah. my swoon is is both Jennifer Grey's book and Dirty Dancing, if you've never seen it, which I got to think everybody who listens to this podcast has seen Dirty Dancing at least once. Yeah. A, sh- a movie about abortion as well. Yes. That was the other thing that was super interesting about it is that the way that was played – was pretty contemporary. Mm-hmm. And I was shocked by it. I think the screenwriter was a woman, which mm-hmm. makes sense. And I, yeah, I mean, I just thought it was really, really great. I was so into it. Uh, yeah, I just, I, yeah, Dirty Dancing, great movie. Great movie. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, fantastic movie. Well, Aaron. Mm-hmm. Where can they find us? <laughs> so you can always email us at learningthetropespodcast at gmail.com. We are on Twitter at Learning Tropes, on Instagram at Learning the Tropes. We have our Facebook troop, which you can come join us at. We have merch, which is linked below. Don't forget to rate, review, and follow us on Apple Podcasts. That's how people find us. Um, and then finally, we are on Patreon. So all you have to do is search Learning the Tropes in Patreon and we'll come up as low as $5 a month. If you want to uh, sort of throw us some cash, we really appreciate it. We also have some uh, unique content there. Oh, Clayton, and we haven't even talked about the biggest thing happening. Whoa. On Saturday, we are going back to Virgin River. Yes. This it's, it premieres this Saturday. Yeah. I mean, we won't be able to do it because I'm out of town and then the next weekend I have a wedding. So, like, we won't be bringing you Virgin River until early August. But, yeah. New Virgin River starting. That's so crazy. I'm, I, I didn't even have time to get excited, but I am now very excited. We have four days to get excited and then. Oh, my God. It just came up so fast. I know. Yeah. Mel's pregnant. We got to find out what's going on. This is great. We got to find out what's going on. Yeah, there's so much going on. There's so much going on. I'll have yeah. to re-listen to our episodes to see what to see what happened last season. Yeah, exactly. All right. So that's it. So we, uh, well, we already know what we're going to be reading next, which is The Devil in Spring, because we're continuing our Ravenel series. Um, mm-hmm. But until uh, then, everybody, happy reading. Happy reading.